I have all y'all stand up. How's everybody doing today? Amen, amen. We want to welcome all our campuses, Chula Vista, San Marcos, City Heights, El Cajon. Give all those people out there a big hand. Everybody watching online, God bless y'all. And we want to tell you congratulations to all the people who, uh, and thank you to all the people who served yesterday at Toys for Joy all around the county, and all the people got served. Over a thousand people gave their lives to Christ. Come on now, somebody. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Um, Yesterday, before we started uh, the Toys for Joy here at this campus, and um, I had a time with the volunteers and, and said, you know, the toys and the food and the clothes and the groceries and the, all the fun is very temporary, uh, but what's really important is to look people in the eye that are coming and, and to tell them Jesus loves them and let them know from where all this comes from and where it's going to come from in the future. Can I get amen? And, and I want to tell all y'all that, you know, life is so fast. It goes by in a blink. How many of y'all are tripping on how old you are right now, okay? I, I, was talking to, I was talking to the reporter, a, a reporter from a newspaper here yesterday. I asked her, I think she was 28. And I was just, oh, that's so cute. This is her 28, you know, and hopefully she, she's here today. But, you know, life is like, uh, whoo, whoo. Before you know it, you're going to be winding down. And I, I can't encourage you enough. Take a breath and acknowledge that Jesus loves you. He has a plan for your life. And say, Lord, that's all I want. Because until you, until you get that right, or at, least, at least get it right, that, that's what you want. And that you're walking in that path and, 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 and your life is going to be, you're going to feel kind of lost. And you're never going to be fulfilled. And so I just want to encourage you on all that. And, and yesterday when all these people coming through, it's, you know, the families that are hurting hurting and to just tell them God loves you. This is going to be a temporary blessing we're going to give you today, but the eternal blessing is, the, is our relationship with Jesus Christ. So um, I want to read the people who, the, the, the leaders who did all this yesterday. Uh, Ariel De La Pena, Gretchen Mitchell, let's give them a hand. Let's give, give them a hand. Noel Mitchell and Ryan McCarthy, let's give them a hand in City Heights. Courtney Young and Peyton Abramson, give, give them a hand. Court. Nemo Lamus and Andrea Adams, let's give them a hand. Jesse Vito Cruz, CJ Mendiola, Stephen Doles, and Laura Tarantino, let's give them a hand. Michelle, Michelle Casa, Lauren Silva, Kendra Duarte, and Monique Hatcher. Let's give all those people a big hand. God bless you. They all did a lot of heavy lifting for a long time, so God bless you. Thank you. And, and, and also, for all of y'all who are here in Point Loma and all the other campuses, there are sound, light, and video people working behind the scenes like rats on a, on a little treadmill making all this happen so you can hear, see, and, and experience all this. So let's give all those people a big hand as well. There are, um, uh, well, I have about... I think 50 Hebrew names for God that I pray. I don't pray them all every day, but I pray them in Hebrew. And one of them is Jehovah Shema. Uh, it's Jehovah Shema or Jehovah Shema, which means the Lord is here. And so when I get up and pray, the first thing I say is Jehovah Shema. And I acknowledge that the Lord is in the room where I'm at. That, that I'm acknowledging God, you are here. Your angels are here. Your angels are waiting for orders. Demons are attacking. This is a constant thing in your life. And for when you say Yehovah Shema, you're acknowledging, I acknowledge that you're here. 
and you're looking at everything in this room, you're, you're, you're in my head, you're under my thoughts, my fears, my, my anxieties, my stress, and God knows everything about all of you. And if you acknowledge that, okay, God has got you. He sees it. So everyone say, Yehovah, Shema. The Lord is here. Let's pray right now. Yehovah Shema, the Lord is here. That is your name. One of your names. It's not only a reality. It is who you are. Yehovah Roy, you, the Lord who sees. You see us. You are here. You are our God. Yehovah Yireh, the Lord provides. You provide because you know our need. We acknowledge these things, Lord. And we tell you we love you, we appreciate you, we need you. And I pray for the next few minutes we would heighten our acknowledgement of your presence and your knowledge of who we are, what we're struggling with, and you would encourage us. Eyes closed, heads bowed, say I need encouragement if you need encouragement from the God. Just say I need encouragement if you need encouragement from the God. Lord, thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for being a God who loves us. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need encouragement. <laughs> Turn to John chapter 17, John 17, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. New Testament, John 17. And if you are a visitor, I'm Miles McPherson, Pastor of Rock Church. Welcome to uh, church today. And by the way, uh, next February, we will be celebrating 23 years. And in January, as we always do, we are going to have a 21-day fast. And during that day, we're going to have prayer every day online. So I want to prepare you now. Start preparing yourself for a fast. You're like, well, it's a month away. Exactly. We want you to be thinking, man, I got to get psyched up for the 21-day fast. And, and be praying that, uh, be preparing your heart that, Next year, be a better year than this year. How many of y'all want next year to be a better year than this year? Come on, come on now. Lord, help us. <laughs> but let's start the year off by praying and fasting. So be, be thinking about that now. Um, 23 years ago, we started the church. February would be 23. And 22 years ago, we found the building that we're sitting in here in, in Point Loma from where all this is being broadcast. And the building is 450 feet long, uh, 45 feet high, the same dimensions of Noah's Ark just happened to be that way. The building's like 50 years old and it was built by the Navy. It's a Navy school. So it was 40, 450 feet long, 45 feet high, three stories, just like the Noah's Ark, which is a trip. And, um, and so when I, we found it, it was, it's a, it was a military school built with a bomb shelter in it and, it, and had no windows, was concrete all around. It was, it was old, it had been closed up for like seven years. It was rusty, it was smelly. There were dead pigeons and, and live pigeons. I would come walk around by myself with a flashlight and it was the biggest haunted house on the planet. There were literally, you know, pigeons flying around, rats running around, and it, it was just nasty. But to me, it was so beautiful. I'm just like, oh God. And I used to sit on the roof. I'd go on the roof and hack the, hack the, 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 the stairs to the roof. <laughs> and there was an old chair up there that was all burnt up from the sun. It had been up there for who knows how long. And we had that chair in the lobby in a, in a glass case that we could see it. But I used to go up there and I used to get a little twig and say, God, please get us this building. This, this building is like a little twig in your kingdom. It doesn't mean anything. Just, just let me have you. And he says, okay. Uh, so anyway, we're here. However, when we were in that process, the people selling it to us said, don't tell your church 
where it is yet. I said, why not? Because it's ugly. And if, if you say you're going to buy that building and do all this, they're not going to see the vision. And they're going to think, why would you do that? You want to get some nice drawings that are going to show the outside with the windows. Because it had no windows. You're going to show, you know, the classrooms and the sanctuary. And, the, and we have Bible symbolism in the chairs, Bible symbolism in the lobby, Bible symbolism in the back. You're going to show the school that you're going to have. And you're going to, and you're going to glorify the building. Everybody say glorify. You're going to glorify, not glorify in a fake way, but you're really going to show the improved version and make people want it. You're going to entice them to want to invest in it and want to come to church. But if you show it to them now, they're going to go, ew, I can't see it. It's nasty. So we said, we invited everybody to see it when it was ugly anyway. So we, and here they came over. But what happened was we did that. We, 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 we got architectural drawings of the outside and all this stuff. And we glorified the building and not to, to a fake level, we, exactly what we actually did. How do you glorify God that when people see your life and experience you, they want God? Because there's some Christians walking around that when, you, when they meet non-Christians, the non-Christians go, oh, I, don't, I don't want the God you serve. Can I get amen? You know those Christians? Some, some of y'all are those people. Well, let's take a poll. How many of y'all have been that person before? Okay. You're the Christian, but then you're like, man, I, I blew it. I really made God look bad. Can I get Amen. But so, so how can we make God look good? Now, some of y'all are not raising your hand, and maybe you don't understand, but it's, it's like if you're, it's called blowing your witness. It's like you do something or you're doing something, and then someone comes and says, hey, aren't you a Christian? And you go, oh, snap, yeah. How many of y'all been that to that? Okay, okay, now we're getting a little closer to the truth here, okay? So, but the question is, how can you glorify God to the point where people see your life See how you do something, react to something, and they say, whatever you got, I want. We, we, last week, we, we started a series called Heaven Came Down, and we view Christmas as a heaven came down event where God's son, Jesus, was in heaven before he was born. He came down in the form of a boy, lived 33 years, died and rose from the dead. And last week, we looked at Jesus' ministry before he was born in the form of the angel of the Lord. Today, we're going to look at his ministry as a man, just human. And what did he do as a human and how human was he where he glorified the Father? Now, when he was on the cross, he said, Father, it is finished. But he also said that before he was arrested. Let's look at John chapter 17, verse 4 to 5. John 17, 1 to 5. Look what it says. It says, Jesus spoke these words and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Now, now this is right before he was arrested. Listen to what he says. And then it says, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life. By the way, if you want to know what eternal life is, here's what it is. That you may know, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. If you want eternal life, know God. Not intellectually, spiritually. There's a lot of people who know God up here. They know about Jesus. They know about the, the manger. They know about the cross. But they don't know him spiritually. That's eternal life. But look what he says. I have glorified you on the earth. This is before he was arrested. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with you with the glory which I had before, 
the world was. Now, Jesus had glory with God in heaven, but then when he came and lived 33 years before he was crucified, he gave God, glorified God again in a different way. It is the way that we can do it, and that's going to be my challenge to you. As you go to work tomorrow, as you go to school tomorrow, that you would be, uh, that you would glorify God and show off God so much that people would say, I want that. When I was a, um, uh, my third year with the Chargers, a second year, a guy came to our team named Sherman Smith. He was a running back and he was loud. He was a love God. He would sing Bible. He would sing worship songs in the shower. And we had a shower with like 20 guys would get in it. And not, not in one little shower, it was a bigger room, okay? <laughs> Awkward, okay. <laughs> And he would sing and it would echo through the whole locker room. He would be singing these Christian songs. And then he got hurt and he blew his knee out. And the season was over. And all he was doing was doing jogging in practice. No one hit him. He was 6'4", 225 pounds. And he just, and he never changed his attitude. And I was like, I want that. (laughs) I want that. That's you and me. That's you and me, so how can we do it? So let's give context. God, Jesus was in heaven before. He came to earth. He came to earth and he was a person. He was actually in the womb like you and me. By the way, he came a person and lived in a human body and dealt with all the things we deal with so he could be the perfect sacrificial sacrifice for you and me. So when he died, he died as you and me. And when you watch him live and read what he did, you're watching something that you can do. That's the challenge. So we have to understand it, but but let's give full context. He was in the womb for nine months, just like you were in the womb for nine months. He was born in a manger, not a hospital. So he had even worse than you. He had brothers and sisters. So he had to deal with his sisters irritating him and he had to deal with being a big brother to them. And he had to deal with his brothers irritating him and vice versa. He had to deal with his sister's friends having a crush on him. Oh, you know for sure they had a crush on him. Because Jesus was omniscient. He knew everything. So he's probably the only brother that really understood women because y'all complicated. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Ladies, can I get an amen? Okay, okay. So... <laughs> So, so, you know, he was a perfect gentleman. So the ladies love, I mean, he's, he's, he's 12 years old. He's saying, you know, he's, he's polite, he's gentle. He's, he's, you know, he's all knowing, he's loving. It's like this dude is supernatural and, and he really was. And then he had disciples. He had a business. He was betrayed. How many of y'all been betrayed? Okay, if you, if you, if you don't know it, if, you don't want to think why Jesus had a, had a Judas because you're going to have a Judas. You're going to have a person that you trust in, that you invest in, that you love, and they're going to turn on you. And when that happens, just point back to Jesus. It happened to him. It happened to me. I'm the student's not better than the teacher. So don't trip and don't necessarily think that uh, uh, beat yourself up. Now, if you did something wrong, whatever, but the the fact, the, the definition of a Judas is someone who betrayed you when you didn't deserve it. It just happens. 
Okay, but, but, but it's important because every time Jesus did this, he was modeling to us what we're talking about. So he had someone who betrayed him. He had another disciple deny him three times with curse words. A disciple that was his boy, Peter, was, he was on the inner circle, denied Jesus three times with curse words. After he got arrested, that happened to him. His own people, the Jews, said, crucify him, crucify him. He was wrongly accused, a false trial, a mock trial, and they beat him, crucified him. He bled. He was hungry. He slept. He cried. Matter of fact, he was so stressed out right before he was arrested, he was stressing so much that he sweat blood. The blood vessels in his forehead burst from stress. I don't know how stressed you are, but I doubt you've ever bled, sweat blood from your forehead. So he was human. And then he died. He was murdered. His back was ripped. His face was punched in. Watch the Passion of the Christ. You won't, it is difficult to watch the process of a crucifixion and scourging 39 lashes with nine leather straps with bone and metal chips. So he went through all that as a human, with a human body, with blood and muscles and nerves. He went through all of that. And yet the Bible says he never sinned. And we just read that he glorified God. And he glorified God by going through all the temptations we go through and never sinning. And he went through all that and people were watching from the outside going, something is different about that dude. Now, here's the ironic thing about it. Jesus himself did that perfectly. And we're going to see in a minute how he never sinned. He lived perfectly and yet there were people who still didn't believe. So why should we be surprised when people don't believe us? Why should we be surprised when people hear the gospel over and over again? I, I don't get it. Look what the definition of temptation is. Look what it says. It says temptation is we are tempted when we have an opportunity to turn our back on God and his plan. Now listen to this. I'm going to read it again. Every time you have an opportunity to turn your back on God and his plan, you are being tempted. So every time someone looks at you funny and you are tempted to get attitude, that's a temptation. Anytime you are, you're walking in the, in, the, in the grocery store and there's something you shouldn't eat calling you. How many of y'all know there's stuff you shouldn't eat? Look at, look at y'all, just sinners, just heathens. Someone, someone put a, 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 a donut with some crumbs on top. This is just me. I'm not saying the donut's evil. But for me, at that moment, it was just calling, calling my name. That's, and, and, and by the way, if God tells you don't eat donuts, that's between you and God. No, for real. I'm dead serious. That's between you and God. Why? Is a, is a donut healthy? No. It's strictly pleasure. has no nutrition in it. It is strictly pleasure. Is it a sin? Not necessarily. You can have pleasure, but if you eat too much, it's not good for you. So, you know, but you got to say, Lord, how much do you want me to eat? Yeah, just enjoy it, but don't eat it every day because it's not good for you. That's between you and God. So anytime you have temptation, this is, and so Jesus all his life was dealing with these situations where he had an opportunity to either deny God's plan or get with God's plan. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter four. The Bible says, for we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Jesus understands your temptation. He understands your struggle. He understands what we go through because he lived it. He lived it. And it says, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Remember his sister's friends? 
Now, of course, I know nothing about his sister's friends, but I know life and I know little kids, you know, boys and girls. I get that. He, he, was, he had a business, so you know he was tempted. People tried to rip him off. He had his, his disciple denied him. His other disciple betrayed him. His own people said crucify him, turned their back on him. He had people uh, falsely accusing him, making up stuff. So he, he had to deal with all of that. When he was on the cross, he even said, I could call right now. I could call to my father and legions of angels will whoop y'all. All he had to do was go, y'all remember that there was a movie called um, Bewitched. Do you remember Bewitched? Anybody not know the show Bewitched? It's very old. It's black and white. But anyway, it was about a witch and she was a suburban mom, soccer mom. And she would just go, mm, like that and stuff would happen. Jesus could be just like, mm, mm, And angels would whoosh. So he was tempted in all points, yet he was out without sin. He could have made it so easy for himself, but he said, no, I'm going to go through everything all y'all go through. So look what it says. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us come to God, say, God, God, I'm coming to you boldly, not arrogantly, but boldly that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. Why? Because God understands. So three things I'm going to give you. Number one, um, consider every opportunity. View every interaction with every person a glorification opportunity. How many of y'all are going through something right now? I ask this often. Raise your hand if you're going through something right now. Okay? It's a, it's a glorification opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to glorify God. That's the only way you got to look at it. I was... Um, watching this little clip on Instagram. I, I, I assume it was from a movie. And a Catholic priest was on the witness stand in a trial. And the lawyer said, was talking about all the pain and suffering that people go through. And she says to the, to the Catholic priest, would you agree that God wants people to suffer? Because that's what so-and-so is accusing and claiming. So do you think that God wants us to suffer because there's so much pain in the world and God's supernatural, he could stop it? Now, the short answer is we are evil and God has not made us robots. We create that evil. But look what it says. Here's what he said. I asked for strength. This is the priest talking in the, in the movie. I asked for strength and God gave me difficulties to make me strong. How many of y'all prayed for strength before? Guess what? You might have got a difficulty after that to make you strong. That was the answer to your prayer. I asked for wisdom. God gave me problems to solve. How many of you ever asked for wisdom for God? To get, and then you probably got a problem, a difficult problem to solve. <laughs> You're like, man, God, you got a better, 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 better opportunity, better way of doing that than that. I asked for courage, and God gave me dangers to overcome. How many of you ever asked for courage before? And maybe, maybe follow came out. It may all be the same situation. <laughs> I asked for love, and God gave me knuckleheads to deal with. <laughs> That's not what he said. He actually said trouble people, but it's kind of, you know, kind of ebonicized that. Um, a lot of times when we find ourselves in situations, God is giving us an opportunity to turn to him and do number two is access his anointing for that situation. I'm going to say it again. Number two is that you've got to access God's anointing. God's anointing is his endowment of power in your life, his endowment of wisdom in your life, his blessing of courage in your life. Because when you ask God for wisdom and he gives you a difficult situation, he doesn't want you to use your wisdom. He wants you to access his wisdom. 
When you ask for power and God gives you difficulties to carry, he doesn't want you to access your power. He, wants you to, he doesn't want you to realize the power you have. He wants you to realize the power he has that he wants to give you. When God, gives, when God says, I want to give you courage, and he puts you in this tough situation, you're like, I can't do it, I can't do it. And he says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you if you trust me. This is your opportunity. And, and, and what I want to encourage all of you in is that whenever you're going through life, at work, school, whatever, that you say, Lord, show me in every situation how I can glorify you right in this situation, how I can access your anointing in this situation, because that's exactly what Jesus did. When people came to Jesus and said, will you heal me? He, he used that opportunity to show the kingdom of God power in that life. When the Pharisees were trying to trick him in his words, he used kingdom of God wisdom in that situation to show the wisdom of man. Matter of fact, he showed, it's wisdom of God. He showed the wisdom of God so much and he was so crafty with how he was dealing with his critics trying to twist his mind up that they left him alone. That we said, we can't talk to this brother no more. He's too smart. And number three, after you do that, give God credit. Say, give God credit. Give God credit. Hey, if you have anything good going on in your life, how many of y'all got some good going on in your life? Say, thank you, Jesus. There was a lady I met when I first got saved, and every time I, when I saw her, she would say, praise God, thank you, Jesus, like a hundred times. And this was, I was a young Christian. I was like, man, this is driving me crazy. Everything can't be thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm like, no, you, no well, you're saying it too much. She wasn't. Now, she might, you might not have to say it as much as she was saying it, but I wasn't even thinking it that much. But that we would thank God for air. Thank God for lights. If you can walk, thank God that you can walk. If you can see, thank God that you can see. If you can breathe, thank God that you can breathe. If you can hear, thank God that you can hear. If you can speak, thank God that you can speak. Every day you can speak. I had, I had surgeries several times, and one time I had surgery, and my leg had shriveled up to pretty much nothing because I couldn't use it for a long time. And I would look at my legs, and I would talk to my legs and say, you know, we've been through a lot. We've been through a lot. We run countless miles. The walking, nah, just the running, the lifting. And I'm so thankful for these legs. So thankful for my feet. So thankful for my knees. Because these things have served me well. These have served, thank God. So in this story, we're going to look at it real quick in the last few minutes. John chapter 11. Jesus is going to do exactly what I just said. And he does it all through the Bible. Where he is going to acknowledge that this is an opportunity to glorify God. He's going to access the anointing power of God and he's going to give God credit. But that's what I want you to think about. In your situation that you're in, whatever you're going through right now, whatever, say, God, I can glorify you or not. Now, by the way, you're either going to glorify God or you're going to glorify Satan. Ooh. Those are your only two options. You're going to glorify God or you're going to glorify Satan. You probably will never glorify God unless you are intentional. Because we are naturally prideful, arrogant, selfish, uh, uh, self-centered. We're we're more, and I say naturally, our sinful nature tends to self, not to God. Our sinful nature... 
tends to take, not to give in general. So unless you're intentional, you're most likely going to miss the mark. That's what sin means, to miss the mark and not on point. But you, so if you would intentionally say, if you're dealing with something right now with a, with a difficult person, pause and say, God, how can I honor, glorify you? In whatever decision you're making, whether it's an interaction, whether you see your money, whether you see your time, whether a job opportunity, whatever it is, God. So in this story, in this, in this, in this passage we're going to read, Jesus' friend, Lazarus, died. He's dead, D-E-D. And Mary and Martha, his sisters come and say, can you, well, actually, I'm sorry, he's sick at this point. He didn't die yet. Can you come help your friend? And Jesus says, in, in, in so many words, he waits until he dies to come. Hmm. Let's read it. Chapter 11, verse 4. Well, verse 1, now a certain man named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. I want to say sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he, he whom you love is sick. Does, does Jesus love Lazarus? Yes. Does Jesus love Lazarus? Yes. Okay, we'll take a deep breath in. Let's get, does Jesus love Lazarus? Yes. Yes. Does he love you? Yes. Okay, watch what he, watch what he does. He's not always going to do what you want. Because he's not here to do what you want. He's here to do what the Father wants. Big picture. When Jesus heard that he was sick, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of Man, the Son of God may be glorified through it. By the way, so here's what he said. This, this situation, it's a glorification opportunity. He's not, he's, don't worry about it. God is going to be glorified. So I want you to think about your situation and say, how can God be glorified? Some of y'all got cancer. How can God be glorified? He's not necessarily going to be glorified in healing in one day. He's going to be glorified in how you deal with it every day. How you deal with treatment, how you deal with the doctors, how you deal with the nurses, how you deal with your family. Some of y'all are getting married and you got to deal with the drama of being married. How you deal with your family because there's drama in marriage and weddings. I mean, can I get an amen? Anybody going through a wedding, you are going to have drama. It's just the way it is. Just, just get through it. <laughs> then you're going to deal with drama being married. Then you're going to deal with drama having kids. Then you're going to deal with drama having grandkids. Then you're going to deal with drama, it's drama, 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 drama. But then you got to say, okay, how can God be glorified? Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. It says, Jesus said, Lazarus, they said, Jesus, they said to Jesus, Lazarus is dead. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I am glad for your sake that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. I'm so glad this happened because I'm getting ready to go do something. It's never over till it's over. And look what it says in verse 40. Go to 40, wouldn't it? It says, Jesus said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Say the glory of God. How many of y'all want to see the glory of God in your life? Come on now. Listen, every situation, Lord, what is it? How do you want to be glorified in this situation? 
What do you want me to do? What do you want me to believe? I pray for wisdom and now I got a difficult situation. Can I access your wisdom? I pray for strength. I got, I got a difficult problem to carry. Can, can I give you, can you give me your strength? I pray for power. Can you give me your power? God says, listen, uh, Lazarus, oh, this whole situation is just so I can show you the power of God. You are going through whatever you're going through so, God can, so you can access something that you didn't need before you went through it. And if you can ask, tell yourself, God, how can you be glorified in my life? What can I learn from this? Instead of saying, God, take it away, take it away, take it away. No, 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 no. Grow from it. Learn from it. Get revelation from it. Get anointing from it. Get new relationships from it. Get new wisdom and experience from it. And then it says, verse 40, Jesus said, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me but because of the people who are standing by I said this that they may believe now when he had said these things he cried out with a loud voice Lazarus come forth and when he, he who had died came out bound foot and gravestones grave clothes and his face was wrapped with cloth Jesus said loose him and let him go so he came out and he was like this <laughs> watch this he said if he, if he had never died he would never have the opportunity if he would never die, he would never have the opportunity to do that. And then he said, set him free. God wants to set you free. Because once you, once you go through that and, and then you, and God sets you free from that, now you are free to be more like Jesus. So here's my prayer for you. Is that you would tell, ask God, God, show me, show me how to glorify you in whatever situation you're in. Access his anointing, his power, his wisdom, his courage, his strength, his insight, and give him the credit. Let's all bow for a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so much for Lazarus' story. Thank you so much for Jesus. And I pray that we would all ask ourselves, how can God be glorified in my situation? And Lord, we have two more weeks for our Christmas Eve service on Saturday. And I pray we will start thinking about who we can invite. And as we think about who we can invite, we can think about how we can live a life that glorifies God, that is a good witness. So our invitation has merit. And so Lord, give us wisdom, give us courage, give us insight on how to glorify you in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Come on, church.